Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I'm a contributor at uh, NinerNoise.com, and here with me, um, associate editor, NinerNoise.com, Peter Panacee. Peter, how's it going, man? It's going good. You know, uh, the NFL draft is over. Um, you know, this entire like few day period, I was trying to think what it might be like <laughs> as far as, as, as what we do and in, in our own experience of it. And the, the thing I came up with was uh, it's like a wedding, you know, you're looking oh. forward to it. You're getting excited for it. You can't wait. You're doing all this planning, you know, you know, you're, you're coming up with your lists, right? Like, like, okay, well, the list and who, and maybe this person, maybe not doing scouting reports on your parents and oh. family and everything. And, then you get there and you're just like, Ooh, okay. I just want this to be over. And, uh, <laughs> it's finally, it's finally over and you're relieved. You're like, I'm just glad it's done. I'm, yeah. I'm just glad it's done. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that, I feel that, that, yeah, that tracks. Um, <laughs> um, I, I was guilty of, of saying during, during the saying that, that, uh, I, I'm, I'm just waiting for it to be over thing more than once during the process leading into my own wedding. Um, I got, yelled at by other people for saying that a couple of times you're like what, what's wrong with you like you should just enjoy it i'm like okay um <laughs> but anyway that's neither here nor there um so yeah as you say the the draft is over and it, it was it is one of those things very like a lot of build up a lot of build up a lot of build up and then it seems to just kind of fly through um over the course of uh basically like what two days when it's all said and done in total um, in terms of, I know it takes place over three days, but you know, it's a couple hours on Thursday night, a couple hours on Friday night, that sort of thing. Um, and I, th- I think made even more so by how kind of uneventful it was for the 49ers. Um, you know, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have been pretty like mover and shaker types in the draft it, it, from, from like day one. Um, when they made that trip, that trade with the, uh, was it, was it the bears on, on their very first draft? Um, and now they, uh, 
they didn't they didn't trade anybody or trade anything um during the entirety of, of the 2022 nfl draft which i thought was very interesting i kept kind of waiting and waiting for like something to happen and they were just sort of just content to, to kind of sit back and let the draft come to them um, which was a, a different strategy for this team and you got to wonder if maybe where they see the roster probably has something to do with that a little bit where they don't feel like they need to be as aggressive in a lot of cases, but um, we can talk about that as we, as we work through it. But um, do you have any sort of general thoughts about the, how the draft went before we get into, into individual players and, and that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, that was kind of spot on with the feeling of it. And, 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 you know, this part of it also has to reflect on this year's draft too, there weren't too many right out of the gate blue chip prospect. This guy is going to be a stud at the NFL level. Like, no Nick Bosa coming out, right? right. Uh, none of that. There was, there was nobody who really stood out that way, but it was a deep draft. A mm -hmm. lot of good players, you know, and they're not the elite types or whatever, but just a lot of good players. And really once you got after the top 10, 15 picks, it was anybody's guess. I mean, you saw that there were, there were guys who were projected to be round one players falling into round three guys from <laughs> round four being projected. there, falling out of the draft entirely. And I know it's like that every year, but this year just felt really similar to that. So it, you know, for the 49ers context, they obviously don't have a ton of roster spots available. You know, they're, they're, there's just not a lot of room. It's, it's still a playoff caliber team. I know there's needs there and there's concerns, but uh, not a lot of room. And you know, stockpiling picks isn't really going to get you anywhere. So you're not going to trade down necessarily. Like, what are you going to do with those extra picks? Those guys would be guys that you're probably going to have to cut anyway. Uh, and you don't really need to trade up especially if in those middle rounds, which where, you know, the 49ers had the bulk of their selections, you're going to get okay talent. Like you're going to get good talent. Maybe it's not great, but it will help. So, it, you know, it, it was kind of lackluster. It was a very uh, uneventful draft. And um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no big blockbuster moves that happened. And uh, I, I guess I'll be thankful of it you know, in, in this particular context. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and even just across the board, um, I mean, all you have to do is is say one quarterback was taken in the first two days, two two rounds. Is that right? Um, and that tells you all you need to know, right, <laughs> about the quality of of the draft, at least at that position, or how the how the teams felt about that. It was just sort of uh, bizarre, especially like the. I think the weirdest move, like in the first round, for me was was when the lions made that big trade to, to move back into the, the top half of the, of the first round. And everybody's like, Oh, are they, are they getting a quarterback to, to replace Jared Goff? And no, they, they, they picked up a wide receiver, <laughs> which was like very odd, but I guess a move that they felt they needed to make. It's just, that tells you all you need to know about the quality of, of certain positions and all that sort of thing. But um, that's, again, a sort of wider spread type of type of situation. But um, from the 49ers perspective, as far as the first round was, was concerned, um, it was kind of a, a no go, right? Because no first round pick for uh, 2022 or 2023 at this particular juncture. Of course, all the conversation around the first round and the 49ers had to do with, are they going to trade Debo Samuel? And if they do, what in addition to a first round pick, because that seemed to be like the starting point for the conversation, um, would they get? Um, 
seemed like they didn't really get much of anything. There were reports, I think, about the Jets offered maybe 10 and and one other pick, and they wanted to do a pick swap on the second pick, um, which seemed really strange, and the Lions might have offered um, a first and a third, and the first was not <laughs> number two overall. Um, <laughs> let's just say that. Uh and so the Niners decided to 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 move on and to keep uh, to move on from those those trades and and keep Debo Samuel where he is and we'll see what happens with that. I'm sure that will be a conversation that we'll have uh, frequently throughout the next couple of weeks as they begin to try to repair whatever it is that the issue was there. Um, were you surprised to see it go down that way in the end? You know, I, I won't say I was surprised, but. I guess I was just nervous. I'll call it that way. Yeah. So there, there are really strong arguments to be made on both sides of the coin, right? As far as Debo Samuel being traded, again, like you could see a team just blowing away the Niners with a big deal, you know? And, and we mentioned this on the last podcast. It was like, well, what would it take? And it's like, okay, well, what if it's a can't refuse deal? And the 49ers would certainly entertain one. If it was just, hey, you're talking multiple first-round picks, you mid-round picks in there, and, and maybe the 49ers have to just bite and say, hey, yeah, we can't turn that down. That's amazing. Uh, and, and and especially a lot of the reports on, on on that happening. But then, of course, when you got to the you know the day of the draft and and hearing what NFL Network's Ian Rappaport was saying, and he was literally saying, you know, there's really not a lot of movement on this, and you're kind of running out of time for something to happen. Like, you saw when A.J. Brown got moved from the Titans to the Eagles. Literally within minutes of that news being broke, uh, and then the trade going down, you found out that he was getting his contract extension signed. And so Rappaport's earlier report from the day made sense, but you know, the one reason why it didn't surprise me too much, the 49ers have Debo Samuel under contract for 2022. If you want your, your, your bottom basement argument, they have him under contract. They need playmakers for Trey Lance. And this isn't a situation where, you know, the Niners have an expensive quarterback and, and, and it's going to offset something that's going to happen with, I don't know, a Devontae Adams or a Tyreek Hill or something like that. They have the means to do a long-term extension and they've made that very clear. They want to do a long-term extension. So not, not totally shocking if, if, I'm, if I'm being honest, but as far as the reasons behind all of this, I think you know, that's still a mystery. To us. We still have no idea how things got so sour. I mean, it, it was it the usage that seems kind of pedestrian, right? I mean, he doesn't want to be a running back all right, but what happens in key situations where it's like, hey, look, this toss cracker, jet sweep, you could score a touchdown on this. And usually your best playmakers, what do they want? They want the ball, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I don't know. It's, uh, it's a relationship that needs to be repaired. It, it can, the, the little side note, I don't know if you've seen this, but there was a, uh, a post, I think just a share post on Instagram where uh, someone was sh- sharing John Lynch's comments about right. it to yeah, yeah. KMBR saying like, you know, we want him to be on the roster that, you know, this year or something along those lines. I, I, I'm not quoting exactly, but uh, Debo liked it yeah. <laughs> on Instagram. So it was just like, 
okay you guys getting along a little better now yeah. like you know the, maybe it's the, the text back and forth hey i miss you i miss yeah. you too <laughs> debo <laughs> needs some debo needs some social media training over next off season that's that's all i gotta say he's the, yeah his stro- agent needs to like, oh gosh like take his phone from him that. please <laughs> like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. agents start- do that yeah, agents do that. I, 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 I mean, and I'm, I'm not just saying this out of conjecture. No, this is, this is a fact. Like, yeah, I talk to insiders here at, at Fansided, and they talk about that. Like, a player will go out there and tweet or you know post something on Instagram that's absolutely stupid. You know, and a lot of times it's a knee jerk reaction. It's something that maybe you and I would do, but we don't have agents. You know, right. my, my, my we're, not stand, insurance we're not standing to make yeah. millions of dollars on our jobs. So, yeah, my homeowner's insurance agent's going to be like, Peter, take that tweet down. <laughs> but <laughs> the agents will call up and they'd be like, you get rid of that right now. And, and sometimes it could be a tactic, but a lot of times it's like, hey, yeah. buddy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> delete that stat. So, yeah. So lots of intrigue. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think it would have been it would have taken a lot um, to to get him out, and I, I I'm really hoping I, I did see that that him liking the 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 post thing, and hopefully that means he's feeling a little better about it, and maybe he just needed to to let them know he needed to air some sort of grievance, whatever it was, and now that he's done that, he feels better. I don't I don't know. Um, as you say, he is under contract for for this year, and they can franchise tag him twice right before they even test and really i mean i doubt they're going to do that because they they tend not to the franchise across the board even before lynch and shanahan were there have tended not to use that franchise tag but theoretically they can keep them under control for three more years without having to give them a contract extension i again i don't think they're going to do that but that is something that he needs to keep in mind and the the way that the cba is written there's just not a lot of room for him to do anything unless he decides, you know what, I'm just, I'm done. Like those, those are his options right now. Like he has to play um, or he has to, to stand to lose what money he is. He ha- he does have coming in. So um, anyway, let's uh, transition again, no first round pick, but the Niners did end up making nine picks in all uh, on days two and three. The bulk of them came, as you noted, in the sort of middle rounds, although they did have a couple of picks in at the end of day two and uh, round number three. So they started off their draft at, they, because of where they ended their season um, in the NFC Championship game. They had their own pick in uh, round two, which was what the third to last or something like that in, in the, the second round. Uh, pick number 61 overall, and they uh, went with um, USC, that would be University of Southern California, um, not the one closer to me, um, <laughs> defensive lineman. Uh, I was going to say Uni- University of Santa Clara. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, 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 not that one either. Uh, University of Southern California, uh, edge rusher Drake Jackson uh, was second round pick. Um, Peter, were you a little surprised to see them go this direction this early in the draft? Because I think I was. No, no, (laughs) no, I I can say what I would have done. And it it probably would have been addressing the secondary. It probably would have been addressing the offensive line. But that's that's what Peter would have done. Sure. (laughs) Uh, The MO of this front office is the trenches. We know that. Uh, And if there's ever going to be the slightest of needs uh, on either side of the line of scrimmage, the Niners are going to stress that first. 
And you looked at this and you said, okay, 49ers have Nick Bosa. That's great. Uh, opposite him, there's really a bunch of you know, C-list guys, right? Like your rotational backups. You can talk about Kerry Hyder all you want. Oh, he had eight and a half sacks back in 2020. Well, Bosa was out for almost the entire year. Mm-hmm. D Ford was out for almost the entire year. D Ford's not coming back. So you're not going to have that one, two punch. Uh, the rest of the guys, you know, Jordan Willis. Okay. Fine. But you know, Kamoko Ture, like decent last year, but still a rotational guy, Samson, Evan, like, again, rotational backup caliber players. They're important. They have roles, but Drake Jackson, albeit raw, inconsistent at USC, but in, <laughs> USC itself was inconsistent. You know, 4-3, oh, 3-4. Three, three, you know, what are we doing on defense? I don't know. Hey, <laughs> you know, Drake, drop down to 250 pounds. Now we want you to get it back up to 280. And it, like, they did so much stuff with him. But if he projects well enough in year two, you're probably looking at an every down defensive end. Now, you're not looking at a Nick Bosa type player, but Jackson might be, you know, seven, eight sacks, maybe a couple of double digit campaigns. And that's what you really want to have. And the 49ers defensive line has thrived when you've had those two bookends. Um, it's been rare. You, you were supposed to see that with D Ford and Bosa. Didn't see too much of it, unfortunately. Saw a little bit of it in 2019. But you need to have one of those guys on a rookie contract and someone who's prolific enough. He's a great fit. And if he winds up, you know, hitting his ceiling, you know, his floor is probably going to be pretty good. But if he winds up hitting his ceiling, yeah, you're looking at a, at a double digit sack guy every year and having one of those guys on a rookie contract, <laughs> that'll make Nick Bosa's extension a lot easier to absorb. Let me tell you. Right. So it didn't surprise me at all. Didn't surprise okay. me one bit. Yeah. Um, I, just for clarification, I definitely expected them to go edge rusher at some point during this draft. I guess it was just, I guess it's sort of a matter of, you know, they might've had a couple of players on their board and this is just kind of the way it fell. Um, so I, I, I'm totally with you. They need another person, another guy who can step up and be maybe not dominant on the other side of the, of the ball. But if Bose is getting, double teams and, and getting all the attention on his side. They just need somebody who's good enough to take advantage of the opportunities and who's going to win his, his one-on-one matchups that he's going to see consistently. And if, if Jackson can do that, he's, his numbers are probably going to look really super gaudy in, in a lot of ways because he's going to have those opportunities to, 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 to do a lot of cleanup work. If Bose is still creating pressure opposite him. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what they can do. As you say, um, initially he may be as he because he's going to have to um, bulk back up again. I think they 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 got him. Or USC had him at a at a lower weight again last year. So um, so hopefully he'll be able to to kind of as the season progresses, kind of get to that place that he wants to be. I think he's, I saw him something like two fifty five, two sixty is where he wants to be um, when it's all said and done. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to to hopefully them finally being able to realize the uh the the sort of bookend pass rusher maybe hopefully two dominant pass rushers opposite one another that they've been looking for 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 a while really since since 2019 as as you mentioned so i think it'll be exciting 
Um, the next two picks that the Niners made actually uh, both came in the third round and they were both offensive guys. So we'll kind of talk about them sort of together, sort of apart because you certainly can't um, have the conversation about these two players without getting into um, a little bit of specifics on each of them. So uh, with uh, third round 93rd overall, um, they took uh, LSU running back, uh, is it Tyrion? I think is how how that first name is pronounced. Uh, they everybody kept calling him Ty, so I'm assuming we'll we'll go with that. Uh, Davis Price, uh, so running back out of LSU, um, and then with the 105th overall pick um, to uh, I think close out the third round, they took uh, SMU wide receiver Danny Gray. So um, again. Um, kind of bringing it back to the, the Debo Samuel conversation, it's not terribly surprising to see them bring in um, guys uh, in the case of Davis price, who can be a more um, sort of pounding uh, between the tackles type running back. It's not surprising to see them bring in somebody like Danny gray, who is a, a sort of vertical field stretcher, but could also be somebody who could um, take a little of the pressure off of Debo Samuel in terms of a, a gadgety type player, um, especially early on in his uh, in his career. But overall, what, what reactions did you have to to these two picks, and maybe each into them individually as well? <laughs> well, yeah, that that uh, that first pick was was a shocker. And, mm-hmm. you know, when, I, when I literally saw <laughs> Davis Price go, I was just like, I mean, the, the huh couldn't have been louder. Uh, bad value based on draft projection and and and, and granted I, I i'm going based off what i've read i didn't really study Tyrion davis price a ton uh you know so i was like oh, i thought that guy would be in like round five you know and then as far as need horrible like 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 horrible and and i'm not saying the 49ers didn't need to address the running back room at all but you got down into like round six where the 49ers had three picks and there were still really good running backs available in round six address it then i think what made me even more upset the 49ers had a bona fide need at safety still do you know jakowski tart's not there and there were two safeties literally two two safeties i absolutely loved and kirby joseph out of illinois and uh nick cross out of maryland we talked about nick cross uh last pod and they were sitting right there both of them nick cross i didn't expect to be there in round three I was like, that could be a good round two pick, but he was there. And so it was Kirby Joseph. Those, those guys could be plug and play type players. And I don't know if the Niners are trying to get a little cute or I don't know if they had zero interest in either one of those guys, but shortly after San Francisco passed on them, uh, the lions and the, uh, the Colts uh, swooped them up. And so uh, Joseph going to Detroit and then um, cross going to, to Indy. So I was, I was pissed. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was, I was trying to write the, the reaction pieces to it. Be like, all right, level-headed, you know, <laughs> like maybe this works out. The 49ers are run first team. And, and uh, yeah, like Elijah Mitchell got hurt a lot last year. No, it's, it's stunk. Now, yeah. again, maybe he balls out and shows that, that, that the 49ers know what they're talking about. Or maybe that was a very big influence from, uh, from um oh gosh anthony lynn uh maybe that was like hey trust me there's going to be somebody else in on this guy don't believe the round five round six stuff i don't know yeah. uh i do like the danny gray pick you know questionable hands but 
you know, he's, he's fast, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and they'll still struggle with press man coverage, but the guy ran a four, three, three. And one of the things to make note of too, you look at the 49ers top four wide receivers and, and you know, I get a piece on this on Niner noise that kind of broke it down. The top four guys all offer something a little different. So, you know, Debo's Debo is your playmaker, dual threat, wide back. Plays with physicality and speed. He, he's your alpha. That's fine. You need an alpha. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, best Niners wide receiver when it comes to beating man coverage. And you saw when the Niners played a lot of man teams. Ayuk played well. Uh, Jawan Jennings, third down receiver. Looked up this stat. I think 10 of his 40 or 10, 40, 10 of his 24 catches last year were on third downs and eight of them went for a first down. So, you know, he's your possession guy and you need those guys. Even he's not fast, but big body target tough, whatever. Danny Gray's your, your, your go route guy. You know, he can run those deep posts. He can pull at least one defensive back down the field. And with Trey Lance, you need to respect that. And so if Gray matures, like you mentioned earlier, a gadget type player, right. And it's kind of just what he needs to be right now. You're not going to get a ton of targets, but your yards per reception might be pretty good. <laughs> like, you know, like the, uh, the original Richie James from way back when, you know, <laughs> like you never get any targets, but you're averaging like 22 yards of reception. <laughs> so uh, that's probably going to be the stat line if he develops. Okay. But yeah, no, I like that pick. And, and, and I was reading some reviews on him. Some draft analysts were like, eh, I'm not a big fan of the pick. Others like, Oh, I am. He's one of those guys where it just depends on where you go. Like what type of system are you in? And in this particular system and for that void where as the fourth wide receiver on the depth chart, if he makes it, that's a perfect fit. You're the go guy. You know, you pull, you yeah. pull the top off of the defense. So you're, you're better known pass catchers like Debo and Ayuk and even Jennings to a smaller degree, George Kittle. Uh, they're going to have a little easier of a time getting open now with one less defender. So I, I like that pick a lot. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, uh, with the whole, you know, Davis Price thing. Um, uh, again, the the your, your I think the analysis of the win is really the problem with it. Um, I don't know this. I don't have anything necessarily to say about the player one way or the other. Um, it's just at, at that particular point in the draft, I, I I get it. Like as you mentioned, Elijah Mitchell was banged up a little bit last year. Uh, Trace Sermon, who knows what he's what's going on with him. Um, you know, Jeff Wilson didn't play a whole lot last year because he was kind of off that knee injury. Um, so there, there's a, a fair amount of question marks in terms of how um, consistent and prolific the 49ers uh, running backs can be. And so I get sort of like adding to the group, but as you say, the timing of it was, was certainly not great. And then the, you know, the Danny Gray situation is it's, it's nice because he is stepping into a situation where they're not going to ask him to do a lot um, necessarily. Um, and so that's, that's uh, something that, that, that he can just kind of, as you said, as I said, just sort of step into a, like, okay, run down the field as fast as you can. Um, <laughs> the play will, will, uh, will get you open and we'll, we'll, we'll sort of figure it out as we move along. So, all right. Um, so the, the fourth round came and the Niners had one fourth round pick. Uh, pick 134 overall, and they went with their first offensive lineman of the of the day. Uh, I, a lot of play, a lot of people I know were were kind of like 
finally <laughs> with with this. Um, and it was an, an interesting pick. Um, offensive lineman Spencer Burford out of the University of Texas at San Antonio, listed as an offensive lineman. He, um, as, as, as far as I understand it, has some experience um, at all four, both tackles, both guard positions at various times throughout his um, his time at UTSA. Um, he did uh, play left tackle at the Senior Bowl, so he does have some experience there. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know a whole lot about this guy. And obviously, uh, UTSA is a, a, a kind of a smaller school, um, uh, conference USA. Um, but it, I, I like the versatility aspect of somebody like this who may end up being more of an interior type guy, um, just given the, the sort of physical, uh, look of him, but, I, 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 I like the opportunity to grab somebody who you can maybe slot into three or four different places and feel pretty comfortable with them. And I think that's the type of thing you're looking for at this point in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, we were talking about the, the top pick being an offensive lineman. The, the Niners definitely shotgunned that question mark <laughs> in the draft. And, and, and one of the things that I noticed is none of the guys were really a true center. Uh, until you get into undrafted free agency. <laughs> so that made me right. kind of wonder about Alex Mack. Hey, you coming back? Maybe, I hope so. But either way, I, you know, both Burford and the Niners' first of three six-round picks, uh, Nick Zaklee, if you look like it, I think it's like Nick Zakelge. Yeah, something Zaklee like that. Or something. Yeah, um, out of Fordham, another small school guy. Uh, admittedly, they didn't do a ton of research on either one of those two players, kind of more just like reading some scouting reports. Certainly, I, I did not go out and watch film on either player until after the draft. Uh, really did not. Trust me, I didn't get that far down in the weeds. But anyway, everything I read about both those guys were like, okay, apparently he's a cleat. Uh, I forget who on the Niners staff, and I read this on on, on Twitter from a, an insider. I, I, I apologize, I can't remember who and or who on the 49ers staff but they were literally wanting to get him a year ago and say hey when he comes out next year put him somewhere like he needs to be on on a big board uh so anyway like the movement like the flexibility for guard for tackle uh you know Burford kind of more of a guard type who can play tackle Zaklia more of a, a tackle type who can play guard uh last year you saw the problems with the depth of the offensive line Mm -hmm. you know, I saw it in training camp in the preseason. It was not good. It was not good. I mean, when you had Tom Compton and credit to his run blocking last year, but when he, he's your best option as a swing tackle, uh, that should tell you something. And now he's gone. So how much more is the problem is that, you know, exacerbated. So uh, like those two picks, you know, and, and again, we're talking about rookies, no idea if these guys are even going to come close to panning out, but uh, from everything that I read and saw from what little I watched on him after the draft, it's like, okay, all right. All right. I can fully get behind that. You know, yeah. it's, it's not flashy. It's not sexy, but I I'm, sign me up. I'm on board. You know, that depth was a problem and hopefully it's better now. Yeah. Um, I mean, with Burford and, 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 uh, to, to, Zach Kills or however, sorry, Nick, we apologize for, for butchering your name. I'm sure you get a lot of it. Look at my last name. Look uh, at my last name and I understand. <laughs> um, and, and if you look at the, the list of undrafted free agents, we'll get to later on. Um, the, the bites of the apple situation is really 
plan coming into play here. Like it, it seems like they understood that they're rebuilding their offensive line in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, the only thing you know for sure is, you know, Trent Williams can play left tackle for you and probably Mike McGlinchey is going to play right tackle and probably Aaron Banks is going to be your left guard. And after that, it's just like, okay, well, if Alex Max is back, Mac is back, he'll play center. And if, and then the right guard is really the only hole you have to fill. And maybe it's Daniel Brunskill or maybe it's somebody else, but um, the bites of the apple situation, like I said, I, I think is the big, the big thing that they seem they want to give themselves as many chances between the guys that they drafted, between these undrafted guys, between even players like Colton McKivitz that they've had in, in the building for a couple of years now, um, or Jalen Moore, who probably has a pretty good chance of, of being the, the, the swing tackle going into training camp um, or, you know, shoot even somebody like Justin school, who's been around forever um, and has kind of been the forgotten man for various reasons. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's in play uh, here as well. So um, I think that's something to, to keep in mind um, as we, uh, as we go forward with the, with the offensive line. And, and like you said, um, the versatility is good and, and the ability to, to give as many of these guys a chance is, is really something that I'm looking forward to as well. All right, so in between those two offensive lineman picks that we talked about with uh, Burford and and Z- Z- Zakel G, or sorry, again, we're we're bad at this. Nick, um, <laughs> we're trying. Nick, good old Nick. Um, maybe he can start at, an, at right guard, and it could be Nick and Nick. Um, there, you go. So there we go. Uh, we had uh, another. Um, a, the first uh, secondary selection for the Niners in this draft. And uh, I'll be honest with you, when this pick was made, I totally blanked on the fact that the Niners technically don't have a starting slot cornerback uh, for the upcoming season. And uh, so that sort of made this pick made make even more sense in my brain. But uh, they went with uh, University of Toledo cornerback Samuel Womack, um, who... Um, if you, you look at the measurables, uh, five, nine, one eighty nine ran a four, three, nine, 40 yard dash, um, reminds me of, of somebody that we used to know, uh, Peter, does he remind you of anybody that, that, that you used to know on the 49ers? Oh, on the 49ers. Oh yeah. <laughs> like in real life. Yeah. yeah just some random person. Me. Does he remind you of some guy? No, uh, my brother. Former 49er player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I could call my brother. Hey, you're about this height. Um, he doesn't run a four, four, three. No. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's the Kwan Williams replacement. And yeah. one of the things too, that I think needs to get said over this. And, and we talked about this um, after last year's draft, we were looking at the Amador Lenore. I think, okay, maybe this guy will be the, the nickel replacement. Lenore's not twitchy, played almost exclusively boundary his collegiate career at Oregon. So uh, Womack, in contrast, uh, played a lot over the slot, um, has that you – know, the attributes are very quite literal to Williams, and it's not just in terms of speed or, or three-cone drill or, or height and weight. But like Quan Williams, he's a guy who didn't let size get in the way. I mean, you're not going to put him on someone six foot four, but it, 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 he played bigger than his size, Womack and Williams, and has a little bit of blitz in the capabilities, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, we're talking about a rookie from a small school program who's never set foot on an NFL field before. But it, it, again, if this works out, you got yourself a decent nickel corner. And the good thing for San Francisco, you're, you're, you mentioned not 
<laughs> you're kind of being remiss for, oh yeah, there's nobody there. Uh, now there's like a mil- what, like, like 80, 90 cornerbacks. <laughs> like, so many cornerbacks right now. Yeah. Yes. Like just happened overnight. You're like, Oh, <laughs> there's a lot of guys there now. Jason Barrett's back and, and Dante Johnson will be on the roster in 2043. So, yep. um, anyway emmanuel mosley can play over the slot jimmy ward can play the slot i don't like don't know if you're gonna do that because Oof. you don't really have another starting safety yeah um you're relying on special teams so that's a story for another problem but anyway um so womack doesn't have to be pressed into the fray but he'll certainly be given the right to yeah. earn that job right out of training camp so yeah no i like the pick i thought it was fine yeah absolutely um while you were talking i was trying to find his his three cone number which i believe was like quite impressive um <laughs> for for somebody um so he's got the athletic um kind of build uh to really step in immediately obviously he'll have to to be put in, in a good situation um and, and hopefully that will be one thing that that D'Amico Ryans will be able to do with him quickly and see um you know as you as you say it wouldn't if he doesn't immediately step into the starting role as a fifth round pick. It doesn't mean that he, that he's a failure um, because they do have other players, you know, worst case scenario, if Emmanuel Mosley has to step in as a, as a slot guy. Um, and then you have Chartravius Char- Char- Ward and, and I don't know, Jason Brett or Ambry Thomas or Diamador Lenore, whoever ends up winning that other outside corner position um, or Dante Johnson. Let's hope not. Um, something horrible has <laughs> happened if that's the case. Uh, no offense to Dante Johnson, but if all of those guys are not able to 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 be starting, then, then that's not good. Um, but yeah, I think Womack is definitely the type of player who will have an opportunity to to step into that position, if not immediately, uh, very quickly. Um, so uh, sixth round was next. Uh, and then mentioned our our boy Nick. Uh, we would be remiss if we mentioned if we didn't mention uh, he is actually, I believe, the first player ever to be drafted out of Fordham University. I'm not mistaken. I think I saw that, or the first one in a long time. I don't remember what the, the it's 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 pretty select. I don't <laughs> know that. Yeah. Let's, okay. let's just say huh. not a lot of Fordham players have, have played in the NFL. No. Um, so that's good. Um, they had two more sixth round picks. Uh, those were literally back to back. Now, I don't know about you. We talked about how there were no dra- there were no trades. These seemed like one of these two picks was going to get traded because it seemed bizarre that they were just going to be like, yeah, we got two picks back to back. We're just going to make them in whatever order we want. Who cares? Um, if any of the picks in this entire draft had been shifted, these would have been, one of these two would have been the one that made sense. But they ended up taking them both, and they went with um, t- you know pretty. 49ers uh, like uh, at least this regime of players. Um, although they did harken back to some some old old habits of former GMs whose names we will not mention on this podcast. Um, with with uh, pick number two twenty in the draft, the first of the two sixth round picks back to back, with the selection of University of Central Florida uh, defensive lineman uh, Kalia Davis, who is a a, a Big fella, um, possibly a, um, a DJ Jones replacement on down the line. And of course, Peter, the reason that I say on down the line is because he's coming off an ACL surgery and probably is unlikely to see the field in 2022. So that, that, uh, that brings you back, doesn't it? It sure does. It sure does. And, and don't know if he'll be ready for, for training camp. And I keep thinking of guys like DeAndre Smelter and, uh, 
Yeah, you know, Frank Carradine. I, I there's, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess with 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 Davis, you know, if you're gonna just throw darts at, at redshirting guys, you might as well do so like <laughs> late in round six. For just right. like, I don't know, like and, I mean, and along the defensive line. line. Is, yeah, yeah. There's there's enough bodies there. You know, Maurice Hurst, uh, Kevin Givens. They're proven defensive tackles on the interior. Can play an A gap. Uh, <laughs> you don't need to worry about Davis ever working out. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, Aaron, you know, <laughs> like was there something about him that stood out about maybe somebody else that 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 might have worked? But hey, look, you know, former linebacker who who put on a lot of weight to be that you know, kind of that squatty nose type has a little bit of a pass rush move. Um, and, and you had pretty good tackles for a loss. And, and again, <laughs> you're not going to replace DJ Jones right out of the gate. The 49ers have some, some veterans who can plug the gap, but <sighs> Hey, it's a flyer. That's all it yeah. is. It's, yeah. it's all it means to me. <laughs> so yeah, it's absolutely. like, yeah, I, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely with you. It was a little, it's it's kind of one of those like, hmm. there's they got, gosh, they got to be up to like 18 or 19 defensive linemen at this point. Um, yeah, 30, 32, 32. Yeah, I yeah, think they're going to sign like, four more, probably. Um, and and so Davis is in absolutely no rush. If again, if he starts, he'll he's likely to start the season on the pup list, which means that he doesn't take up a roster spot in that particular case. Right. If he starts this, if he starts training camp there um, also means you don't have to worry about him, like going through waivers and all that kind of stuff. So it's in that regard, I, I guess I get it because you draft him and then you put him on the pup list and then you just know he's going to be around for on your team for, for the foreseeable future. And you don't have to worry about, you know, putting him up against waivers to release him or whatever rather than other things. So um Again, no no rush there. Um, it'll be interesting to see to see what happens there. Uh, certainly, a, a, an athlete there in a in a real in a relatively large body, and so we'll uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, pick uh, two twenty one, which followed immediately after that. Um, which I don't I don't understand why they don't send both picks out at the same time. It's kind of ridiculous, but um, anyway. Um, well, if the 49ers had, if, if, because they came very close to missing out on pick number 220. So, you know, <laughs> they, they're very late on the clock. So if they had missed that, the next team in line could have jumped them. Which would have been them. The next team, which would have been themselves. <laughs> right. <laughs> if, no worries. If I was them, I would have waited until like, the, you know, I, I forget how, you know, it's like, what, how many minutes? And I would have like waited until like a minute day. was left. Here's one pick. Here's two. There you go. <laughs> so we're done um, with uh, to pick two twenty one uh, sixth round. Uh, they went with another defensive back, uh, another cornerback uh, in the form of Penn State corner, uh, former Penn State corner, I should say, Tariq Castro Fields. So we got double two hyphenated names uh, in the new group uh, so far. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, certainly, as we talked about, their man, the numbers here. Uh, between the defensive line and the cornerback room, the the just sheer number of humans in the group is just so high. Um, and in this case, with with the cornerback specifically, the sheer number of like pretty young guys uh, that they have on the team is 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 really high as well. Um, I mean, if you think about it, what char, char, if just the cornerbacks themselves, Charcheri, Charcheri, Charchavius Moore 
or Ward and Emmanuel Mosley are your veterans in this particular case, not counting uh, Jason Verrett, obviously, um, in terms of people, players sort of slotted into a, into starting positions. And they're only, what, year four, year five, something like that. Um, so it's a pretty young group for the most part. And they've they drafted a couple last year. They drafted two more this year. Um, it's a lot of numbers in there. So it'll be interesting to see how Castro Fields sort of slides in there and what his role could be it you know you could certainly see a situation where it's like a an Ambry Thomas type situation where he doesn't do much for the first couple couple of weeks and and then maybe finds his role as the season goes on but um any thoughts about uh Castro Fields yeah good pick raw you know I mean good closing speed yeah or recovery speed I should say um you know, good body for a quarterback, uh, you know, just raw and that's about it. And, you know, uh, there can be players who just take time to develop young defensive backs, especially tend to follow that trend. You know, the coverages are more complex. The opposing receivers are much stronger, faster. Uh, they have more savvy routes, so it can take them a little while. Even if you're really good, it can take you a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a situation where the 49ers have probably admitted that they didn't put enough resources into stockpiling the cornerback room over the last few years. And that led to the, the Josh Normans and the Drake Kirkpatrick's of the world. So, you know, Castro field is going to have an uphill battle to even make the 53 man roster, but you know, like the, the road Emmanuel Mosley took you're an undrafted free agent. Didn't see a lot of playing time his rookie year at all. I think got hurt as well too, but like the start of the Super Bowl, Mm. (laughs) he was a starter in the Super Bowl. So the Niners eventually came to like him. So I, you know, and who knows if, if Castro fields will go that route, but uh, throw more darts at the problem. You know, by the time you're getting to this point in the draft anyway, you're not just throwing darts, you're throwing darts blindfolded. So you have (laughs) just whatever, like you just, just hope. Right. You get something that's that's great, and uh, and who knows? Dante Johnson's getting up there in age. Right? <laughs> he can't play forever. Up there in age, what we think. Yeah, he's just finally hit the first third of his career. So, like I said, twenty thirty four when he signs his last one year deal with the 49ers. Uh, three times that season, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd have to turn times. it over to Castro Fields, but who knows? You know that, and and, and maybe that's the role. I, I, I'd honestly think that might be the the ceiling for Castro Fields. Hey, you're that number four. You're you're our guy. If someone gets hurt, like, and we got to bump people up the depth chart, you know, you're going to be that kind of number four guy there. So, but yeah, you know, raw, but some of the attributes are nice to look at. So you can think that he might turn into something useful in two or three years time. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I think we've had this conversation before, but uh, a guy uh, at his position, uh, both position as on the field and his draft position, um, it's all about can he show himself to be good enough in the defensive backfield, but also a standout uh, in the special teams situation. That's going to be really what it's going to come down to for somebody like Castro Fields to, to make the 53-man roster. But as you say, Lots of names, um, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for. There's gonna be some 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 names that we talk about today. There's gonna be some some other names that you're like, oh well, that's interesting that are gonna get gonna get the 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 cut before the season starts. Um, all right, so on to the final pick, not just for the 49ers, but also 
for the entire draft. Uh, Mr. Irrelevant, as they call it. I don't know why. That seems mean. Um, <laughs> I've always thought that's kind of like a mean name uh, to, to refer to the, the final pick of the NFL draft. But apparently they're nice to them. They got, you know, like a fancy jersey that says, you know, pick number 262. And it says Mr. Irrelevant on the back. And there's like, you know, things they do for him and, and that sort of thing. So that's kind of cool. Um, Niners went with a, with a pretty uh, surprising direction here. Um, and, uh, they went with a, a quarterback of, for all the conversations that we've had all, all, all off season long so far about the quarterback situation, the Niners decided to, you know, add another body here. They went, uh, Iowa state quarterback, uh, Brock Purdy, who's, uh, a four-year player started almost the entirety of, of the four years I, that he was at Iowa state, um, ended up being, uh, um, uh, you know, breaking some, a bunch of school records and um, in terms of completion percentage and, and that sort of thing um, during his senior year, you know, decent, decent player it seems to have brought the, the Iowa state uh, program into some semblance of uh, respectability. Um, not going to wow you with his athleticism or his arm strength or anything like that, but, but clearly somebody who can who get the ball where it needs to go. And um I thought this was interesting, but at this point in the draft, you're really, it's really just, you're really wanting to make it a, a decision between, Hey, we're probably going to get this kid anyway. Um, or we're going to try to get this kid anyway in the, in the undrafted group. So we might as well just go ahead and draft him anyway, because what's the likelihood that whoever this guy is, even if they drafted anything else, a safety or a wide receiver or anything like that, what's the likelihood this guy makes the roster and impacts it anyway. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, I didn't know what you thought about this pick, Peter. Yeah, yeah well, it, it's it's the first call on the undrafted free agents. That's what it is. It's all it is, really. Um, right. <laughs> because, I mean, it, there's a possibility where if the 49ers wanted to go after him as an undrafted free agent, that some other team that maybe has a less certain of a quarterback room, and it's not like the 49ers have one that's certain, but uh, certainly one that's more dire, would have looked at him and said, hey, we'll offer you more money. Um, as an undrafted free agent <laughs> and didn't do that. That could have played a role in whatever, but you know, here's how this could play out. And I, I, I don't see it's possible because you never know. Um, it's possible the 49ers say, look, we're going to move on from Nate Sudfeld. Now, why would you do that? Nate Sudfeld's got a 2 million guaranteed contract this year. Why would you do that? You know, that would be silly, but let's, play the, the 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 fun bowl game here a little bit and assume <laughs> the 49ers aren't going to get rid of jimmy garoppolo for nothing Ooh. uh as much as i don't believe that that will play out it that way and as as much as it just weirds me out whatever he's still on the roster another day goes by um what if jimmy g stays what if trey lance stays what if purdy beats out sudfield in training camp I don't know if that would be the case. Again, money matters, but what if that's the case? The other factor in this, and this is the more likely situation, is let's say Garoppolo is moved. Or however, you know, the 49ers are just like, hey, we we're just gonna we're just gonna release you. You're free to sign wherever for the best deal you can get. Go take it. Hey, thanks for what you did. Bye. Or he's traded, whatever. Who cares? Garoppolo's gone by week one. Uh, you might need a quarterback room of Trey Lance, Nate Sudfeld, and then a Brock Purdy on the practice squad. And again, you got to assume that he slips through 
waivers down there but let me tell you right now status check heat check nobody's gonna go out there and try to claim brock purdy <laughs> and uh he'll say hey yeah we're gonna unless sign he, you to unless uh, he blows it yeah. up in the in the preseason or something like that right right no one's gonna do that and even then it'd be like preseason week three in like the fourth quarter so uh no one's gonna do that so you know maybe that's the look 49ers have carried three quarterbacks for a while now you know, that goes back to 2018 um and so why would anything change with just one of those being on the practice squad so yeah yeah hey if you subscribe to the idea that you should draft a quarterback every year no matter what this was an argument that um uh actually over at niner noise a really good writer of ours you should go check out his work he wrote about how mr irrelevant is actually relevant for the 49ers mm-hmm. this year so go check it out on the website very good point just saying the premium at that position you know, even if a quarterback is not looking very good entering the draft, which pretty much everybody in this draft, maybe it's aside from Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett for some reason. Um, but like, just because the premium of the position and what have you, if you get a chance to develop somebody and turn them into something remotely useful, like remember when Nick Mullins had trade value, like at the end of 2018, I, remember that? I, I do. That was a good yeah, time. Yeah. Like, that was insane. The 49ers could have taken that. <laughs> they did not. And uh, oops, right? Yeah, big Nick Mullins big, was worth something. Oops. Yeah. 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 So anyway, it, just the premium at the position. There's always a need. Take a quarterback, draft one, you know, whatever, however it goes, and just see what happens. And so maybe that's the goal here. Again, it's the last pick in the draft. So one, who cares? <laughs> right. Two, again, you're talking about another guy who's got the longest of long shots to make the roster. But three, he's a quarterback, right? Right. Yeah. That, that, that's different than a that, different than Tariq Castro Fields or Kalia Davis. Like we're not going to be talking as much about those guys in a month's time. We'll be talking about Brock Purdy in a month's time. Yeah. Guarantee it. Yeah. Um all true there. All all good points. Um the other and and I, I do need to point out the fact that if you're including players on their practice squad, technically there were two seasons in a row where they carried four quarterbacks. Um, because remember there was the whole thing where they wouldn't let Bethard go and it's like, let see, like stop it. Like, why are we carrying three quarterbacks on the 53 man roster for two years in a row? Anyway. Um, sorry. Um, little, little pent up aggression there. Uh, the other thing that I, <laughs> that is true um, and I, I heard this, um, uh, Matt Mayoka mentioned this, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will not be a part of the, any of the sort of off season program things that are going to coming up over the next uh, couple of months, because he has not been cleared to throw football as of yet. Um, and, uh, the likelihood that he will be cleared to throw a football at any point between now and training camp and even, after training camp, I don't know, um, is pretty slim. Um, so you just kind of need a, a third guy, um, to, to step in there. You can't run all of your offseason program, uh, quarterbacking with just Trey Lance and, and Nate, Nate Sudfeld. That's just not going to work. Um, so Purdy could just kind of be a camp arm who also you get a chance to take a look at him in uh, greater detail. Cause you will have him in your building and on, on your team for, for throughout the summer. And so, yeah, as you say, if, if Garoppolo ends up sticking around, um, maybe you drop 
Sudfeld because you now you need to save all the money you can save uh, in that regard or something. I don't know. Um, or, you know, maybe there's a, a situation where he clears waivers and you get him on your practice squad and then he's somebody that you can develop and he turns into your backup quarterback in a couple of years. I, I, I really don't know what the situation might be, but as you said, um, better to, to have somebody that you can develop on your own as opposed to bringing in somebody else. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't think he's uh, a, a completely uh, – it's not a complete waste of a pick. I, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, and, and again, that that third person, as you mentioned, hey, just get somebody who's going to be running the the third team, you know, during OTAs and everything like that. That's that's fine. That's fine. So, but you never know. Again, it's the premium on the position. So, we'll see what happens with them. Like I said, we'll we'll be talking more about <laughs> Brock Purdy than we will some of these other draft choices, but maybe not as much as we should about some of those undrafted free agents. I don't know about you and and. And this is probably, uh, it's weird. Maybe it speaks to just relative unimpressive draft. And, and that's <laughs> all around, not just the 49ers, but just kind of like, a okay, you know, very blue collar type draft, pedestrian for, for a, a good perspective. But I was almost more impressed and excited about the undrafted free agents than I was about the actual draft. And there, normally that's not a good thing. Cause you're yeah. like, uh, what'd you do in the draft? But in this case, you're looking at multiple players who are scouted as mid round picks mm-hmm. who the Niners picked up on the cheap. And literally it was within like minutes after Brock Purdy was announced. It's just like, click, click, like bam, 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 bam. Like guys who were very good. Yeah. Very, very, very good that, that we'd scouted that we had written about. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I don't know. Who, who are you for your favorites on that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just point of reference, uh, the Niners uh, ended up with 14 undrafted free agents um, scattered throughout various positions. Um, just kind of a quick, quick list them off. Uh, took uh, Kevin Atkins, a defensive lineman out of Fresno State. Jeremiah Gemmel, a linebacker from North Carolina. Taylor Hawkins, a safety out of San Diego State. Uh, Quantrez Knight, cornerback. There's another name there. You go for the cornerback room out of UCLA. Uh, Taysier Mack, a wide receiver out of Pittsburgh. Uh, Tay Martin, a wide receiver out of Oklahoma State. Uh, Jordan Mason, a running back out of Georgia Tech. Uh, Marcelino McCrary Ball. We have our third member of our of our all hyphenated team for the for the 49ers, a linebacker out of Indiana. Segun uh, Alubi, a linebacker out of San Diego State. So a couple of like little pockets of, of teams that they're picking from. Uh, Leon O'Neill Jr., a safety out of Texas A&M. Uh, Jason Poe, offensive lineman out of Mercer. Uh, Sam Schulter, Schulterer, an offensive lineman out of Minnesota. Garrett Walston, a tight end out of North Carolina. And Donovan West, an offensive lineman out of Arizona State. Um, so lots of names there. Um, as I said, when we were talking about the offensive line that they drafted, there's what, uh, four more right there, uh, th- three more, um, uh, for the offensive line, just from the undrafted group, another running back, several linebackers, a couple of safeties, more defensive backs, that sort of thing. Um, but the names that I'm most interested in there are, there are three that, that jump out to me immediately. Um, the first two are um, two of those names, two of those guys specifically on the offensive line that you noted were, were guys that a lot of teams were thinking were you know mid to late round players. And that's uh, Jason Poe out of Mercer and Donovan West, who's primarily a center out of Arizona State. Um, 
I was <laughs> sort of pounding the table in the proverbially speaking in the, on our Slack channel during the draft uh, for Donovan West, uh, the center out of Arizona state um, mostly because even though we don't know what's happening with Alex Mack um, for this year, and I've said this already, uh, if he is indeed going to come back, I feel like they need to have his replacement in the building um, at the beginning of this year. And maybe that's one of the guys that they drafted. Maybe Spencer Burford turns into a center. I don't know. Um, but Donovan West is uh, categorically outside of Alex Mack, the person on the roster with the most games playing at center under his belt albeit they're all college games. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen with him. He also has some experience at both left and right guards. So if he shows anything and has the, shows the ability to, to be a, a starting player, maybe he's somebody who can step in immediately. And again, with that versatility thing, he fills three backup roles uh, with one person. Um, similar kind of situation with Jason Poe. Um, Peter, I don't know if you saw the video of Jason Poe. I, I, I think if I read this correctly, Jason Poe came into college as a running back. Is did you did you read this same thing? Yeah, dude can move. Dude yeah. can move. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he put on a lot of weight, guy can. Yeah, move. he's six one, three hundred pounds, but he he moves well. Um, yeah. Uh, so he's he's going to be an interesting uh, player, obviously, at that uh, height and weight. It's probably a, a, another guard option. So they're they're not lacking in 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 interior offensive line options. And so that's going to be like one of the uh, one of the the main camp battles to, to watch out for this year is who's, you know, assuming that that Aaron Banks and you you got to hope and assume at the same time, I think with this particular situation that he's going to lock down that left guard position, what's going to happen on the other side, who are going to be the, the backups. What's going to happen with Alex Mack is another question altogether, but that interior question is going to be big. So those are two names that jump out to me. The other is Leon O'Neill jr. Who was another one of those players that uh, was, uh, you know, a me, you know, going to be a, going to be a, f- a fourth rounder, going to be a sixth rounder, and then he was an undrafted free agent. And so we mentioned uh, the safety need and maybe I'm not saying that an undrafted free agent is going to immediately step into a, in to be the starting safety opposite uh, Jimmy Ward, but he would be a name to watch out for as somebody who's certainly coming into this uh, off season with a chip on his shoulder and might be somebody to pay attention to coming into training camp. He- he quite literally with a chip on his shoulder. I, 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 would, I was looking at his social media and he's you know, super grateful to the 49ers, but he's mm-hmm. like, Hey, I ain't going to forget this. And I think it, it, even in his, you know, some of his introductory comments when he was, when he was talking about that, but yeah, it, it, look, this shows you the fluidity of the draft. And this is one of those things I'm going to, I'm going to air. I'm going to air a grievance. I'm going to share a pet peeve that I have every draft season. And (laughs) it's draft festivus. It's the airing of grievances. How about that? (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's so one of my pet peeves, anytime someone does a mock, you do a mock, I do a mock. Even if we use one of those like draft tools, right? Like the the simulations where it's like, okay, we'll make 49ers picks, but uh, the computer randomly does the rest. Right. You, you find someone and it's like, oh, cool. This player is still available in round four, right? I'll, I'll pick them, you know? 
and then you put out the mock and then you know the the peanut gallery person in the comment section or on twitter is like no way that guy makes it past round two you're an idiot blah blah blah, blah. you know all that this is proof enough you have no clue what's going to happen during the draft none right like like, like none <laughs> they're literally like there were so many players who slipped and fell and I don't mean that, you know, literally, Hopefully not I mean, literally. They, they, yeah. Yeah. They, they slipped and fell when they were taking ice skating lessons like I would, but anyway, um, so many slipped down deeper into the draft. Uh, and you know, you don't even need to pick out the 49ers. You can look at so many other players around the league. We, we mentioned two earlier. It was like Kirby Joseph and Nick cross falling into round three. I was like, okay, Donovan West, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay had him on their, le- their last mock before the draft began. He was a round three guy, no, a third round guy. I think they mocked him to the Eagles, if I remember right. Donovan West in the third round. Niners got him as an undrafted free agent. Uh, Jason Poe, a guy that fifth, sixth round draft grade on him undrafted free agent great fit for that scheme by the way and then i did a little bit of scouting on on leon o'neill jr uh texas a&m in the box safety you don't really want him covering deep down the field one-on-one but thumper against the run you know kind of a strong side linebacker type you know if you're playing him in the box you need that physical presence there good fit a lot of round five draft grades on him, you know, and again, those are the sort of things that you find. And, and, you know, full disclaimer, we're talking about rookie prospects, like two thirds of these guys, you know, even in a best case scenario for the 49ers are going to flame out by year two, right? Like they're not going to, you're, you're going to get into their second year and you're like, yeah, this guy's not cutting it. But still, as it, at least based on what we know now, just those three finds alone are excellent grabs in terms of value with probably a lot more potential than, than what other players got. As you mentioned with West, as he kept falling down through the draft order, like I'm getting to like number 220 overall. Hey, 49ers have two picks. Maybe this is when they'll take him. <laughs> they didn't. And then 221, they didn't. And then it's like, all right, Mr. Irrelevant, they've got to take him now. He's the best player available, period. Oh, it's Brock Purdy. Okay. <laughs> and then literally after that, I think it was like a minute later. Um, I, I think it was Aaron Wilson of uh, pro football network who broke the news that West was signing a uh, hundred thousand uh, dollar guaranteed by the way. So mm-hmm. pretty good chance of making the 53 man roster in that regard. That's a lot of money for, for an undrafted free agent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, he fills a lot of potential needs because if he is good enough uh, for them to view him like that um, in terms of the amount of money that they've given him and that versatility is going to be going to be really important here as well. Um, the uh, the only other name that I that I thought was kind of a standout was uh, Tay Martin, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma State, um, a big guy, which is, uh, you know, six, three uh 188 so he's not like big big but he's he's kind of a taller fella which is something that the uh the Niners don't have um much of in terms of their wide receiver core um so he could be an interesting uh player to to kind of watch out for as as well in that regard um I don't know if he stands a chance again it's a it's a pretty hefty uh wide receiver room and there's lots of competition in that regard as well but um yeah um 
I'm looking forward to to seeing what's what's going to happen with with this this crew uh, with this group. Um, I think there's there's lots of opportunities for this uh, for this this draft class. This could be a situation where we have you know undrafted free agents who make the team and draft picks who don't, um, or draft picks who get sort of left to waivers and see if they they survive and they end up on the practice squad and undrafted guys who show out during during the preseason and they end up on the, on the active roster. I, I, I don't know how this is going to shake out, but they're they've, they've given themselves a lot of opportunities. Like I said, they got 23 players, 23 rookies uh, between the draft picks and their undrafted guys. Um, so there certainly will not be a lack of opportunities for these, for these players. Um, so uh, Peter, any uh, final thoughts before we close things out for uh, this episode? Way at the beginning, I was mentioning how the draft feels like a wedding. You look forward to it, right? You get all excited about it. And you're like, okay, cool. Um, and then the work begins, and then you got to get to the day of the draft. It's a grind. Saturday was a grind. I'll tell you. That, <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember a year ago, and this is just, again, a little another one of my stupid stories. Um, 49ers didn't have that seventh-round pick, right? It was Elijah Mitchell, and that was it. So most of us – checked out right i mean i had to do the undrafted free tra- free agent tracker oh poor me right no big deal but oh man that round seven i was like 49ers at the end of this i know it's just it's moving quick but oh all those comp picks i gotta wait <laughs> that was a grind that was that was a long wedding right yeah and now comes the aftermath of a wedding so you got to write all your thank you notes so you got to write about it break it all down you got to figure out how you're going to cram all these gifts in and uh you know, what, what you got to clear out of your um, closet, some of the old stuff that got upgraded from your wedding gifts. Um, you know, what do you need to keep? What do you need to get rid of? What, what did you not get <laughs> for your wedding? What do you need to go out there and get? <laughs> and apparently a veteran cornerback like Jason Verrett is it. And uh, yeah. that was the first thing you went down to. Uh, what, what do couples go? Where do they go? Uh, Bed, Bath & Beyond, I guess. Sure. Um, yeah, great. <laughs> you went down there and got, got Jason Verrett. So, you know what? I, I, I'm happy the draft is over, but at the same time, it just opens up so many slew of possibilities and reinforces my whole belief that, honestly, I like writing about off-season football a little bit more than I like about regular season football because it's just you have no idea what's going to happen. It could go in so many different directions. This is this is very true. And with that metaphor, we will uh, close out <laughs> yet another episode of the Niner Noise podcast. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening uh, to the Niner Noise podcast, part of the fan-sided podcast network. Uh, please continue to check out NinerNoise.com throughout the offseason as we uh, continue to get your latest 49ers news and analysis to you. Uh, and be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Um, and if you uh, give us uh, a review and include a question, we'll give you a shout-out on air and answer your question. And of course, please share the podcast with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.